That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi there, I'm Lauren McGoodwin, founder and CEO of Career Contessa, and you're listening to the Females Podcast Summer School Edition. This season, we're heading back to school, career school that is, with experts here to teach us the ins and outs of specific topics. Today's teacher is Mignon Fogarty, or Grammar Girl, as she's also known around on the World Wide Web, her award-winning podcasts, and multiple books. Mignon's here to help us navigate communication in the workplace, including language mistakes we're probably all making, how to avoid office jargon in your communication, and should we all be worried that Google's now helping to finish our sentences in our emails? She'll cover all of it. And because we're here for that real talk advice, be sure to stick around till after Mignon's teachable moment, because we'll be answering your listener questions, starting with, how do you know if you should develop your current employee skills or hire someone new who already has the skills you need? You can submit your career questions for us to answer on future episodes by leaving us a voicemail at 844-FEMALES. And now, this is the Females Summer School Edition. Hi, Mignon. Thanks for joining us. And let's talk about written communication because you're kind of the queen of this, uh, but also written communication in the workplace. What are the most common mistakes you see? I think one of the most common mistakes I see is people making things more complicated than they need to be. (laughs) So, you know, we should write for uh, clear communication, not to show how smart we are. Or, you know, sometimes people just understand the material so well themselves, too, that they don't realize they're making it complicated for their readers. So, you know, I think that using short sentences, um, short paragraphs. <laughs> Avoiding jargon is really important. That's an easy trap to fall into because you know your industry. And if you're writing for other people in your industry, it may be fine to use those shortcuts, those abbreviations that you know every workplace or industry has that nobody else understands. You know, for internal communication, that's fine. But if you're writing, you know, something for a customer or something for you know a web article or something like that, you. You know, it's, it makes sure you take out all that jargon that's going to make it hard for your reader to understand what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. The other thing people sometimes could do better is to make sure the subject of the sentence is at the beginning. Studies have shown that reading comprehension is improved when you use just a simple s- sentence structure. So, you know, the subject at the beginning, you know, our podcast is about writing, you know, not something like when you want to write, but you know, I mean, sometimes, sometimes people will start with 
what is really a subordinate clause, something that should come, it can grammatically go at the beginning, but if it's just adding information to the main point, move it to the end so that, that you get to the main point of that sentence first. Yeah, I've, I think people like fluff because it's it feels almost jarring sometimes to get straight to the point right away. Like, I am definitely guilty of starting almost every email with, like, hope all is well. And it's, it's like I'm addicted to not being able to just go straight to the point because I feel like, and maybe this is, like, a whole other topic, but I, <laughs> I, I feel sort of like it's a bit jarring to get straight to the point. But you're saying, no, 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 like, people want that in email. Well, I think an email is also different from an article. Like, we don't have to throw out all the social niceties. Like, yes, there's a wordiness that comes into play when, you know, you're make, you, an email is almost a form of conversation. So I think it's okay to start out with hope you're well or hope you had a good weekend or, you know, did that dinner you told me about last night, you know, meet was it all that you hoped it would be? Yeah. You know, like we we can we don't need to be so abrupt and clear, you know, in email that that we avoid all the social niceties. But I I was thinking more of, um, you know, an article that you were writing or right. something or you're going to post meeting for report or you know notes from a meeting or something like that. Right. I do find it's interesting because my first job I I was the person who had to take the notes at the board meetings and then I would have to send them to everybody. And I got <laughs> mind you I was like 22. It's my first job and somebody. <laughs> did write me back and they said this is way too long like I want you to start sending this in bullet points and it, it was kind of alarming because I you know I was like oh well I'm taking the notes I better write everything down because they're going to need to know everything and, and one of the board members wrote me and he was like no just stop doing that uh, <laughs> which I thought was fascinating just because and I what about communication styles like is it really helpful maybe not for work for like reports but when you are writing an email to your boss or your colleague or your client like is it is it important to ask people first, like what communication style they prefer? Because some people might like, you know, somebody might have appreciated that I wrote those board meeting notes in like, you know, story or paragraph form. Right. The way I do it is I usually start out pretty formal and then I quickly take my cues from how the other person is writing. So, you know, I have two people I worked with in the past, and one was, you know, sort of a 60-year-old senior executive at a company, and the other was someone about my age. And I would write completely differently when I was writing to each of them. And, you know, I started out the same, but then I quickly took my cues. And so, yeah. you know, I would, use, I would use emoji in the email to my, you know, colleague that's my age, but I would never in a million years use an emoji to the 60-year-old executive. So, right. uh, and I would start out, you know, at a more formal level, and you can always dial it back. Yeah. Know, but, it's, yeah. It's kind of like dressing for an interview. It's like you might as well start more formal and then, you know, if everybody in the office wears, you know, jeans and hoodies all day, okay, fine, but maybe not not while you're interviewing. Kind of, you know, you always start more formal. Right. And sometimes you can get a cue from corporate communications. You know, there are some companies that have very informal public facing collateral, you yeah. know, so you would imagine that it's it's more acceptable at that company to start out a little more informally. Mm -hmm. So in addition to email, we also have messaging tools like Slack and text and, and all the other things. So it feels like we can communicate all the time. And I, I think people probably are communicating all the time. What are what are the pros and cons of that? Mm, yeah, I mean, it can be overwhelming. I have found, you know, I'm on some Slack channels and now I'm just checking more things. You don't have to <laughs> yeah. save me any time at all. <laughs> I, use, I use email for things where I need to save my own trail mm -hmm. of the conversation, which is, you know, most of the time, except for quick questions or chats. 
you know, I think Slack and texting are great for super quick questions when you need to reach someone, you know, texting when you need to reach someone urgently, that's usually the best way. I try to keep most things in email just because I find the chains of conversation easier to follow there. Right. But I mean, different people are going to prefer different things. I know someone who uses almost exclusively Facebook Messenger and thinks that's the best way oh, to wow. do everything. So Yeah. <laughs> Very personal. I uh, I heard once too. This woman was telling me she's like, you know, I am. She she's like, I'm a Gen X, but or like an older Gen X, and she's like, all these millennials want me to answer them. On, and this is just kind of funny because it's like you know using the stereotypes. So she's like, all these millennials want to slack me and think that I'm supposed to respond to them right away, and nobody seems to understand. Like I should my email is not a to do list, or like my Slack is not there them being able to assign me to-dos. And I thought that was fascinating because, and, and again, like I kind of treat Slack the same way. I look at it like, oh, if I see a Slack notification, like I, I probably need to look at it right away or respond to it right away or same sort of with email. I mean, how are we getting trapped in this sort of feeling of like, well, if I Slack you, then you have to answer right away. If I text you even more, I mean, like are people, is, is this going to be like a, a fight where people feel like, <laughs> hey, I want to be able to respond to things when I'm ready to, and you don't get to dictate that. Although, as you can tell, that would be kind of a confrontational, you know, conversation. Yeah, I think it, I think it is. I think it depends entirely on your power level within the organization. You know, as, as the years have gone by, I, I went through this phase where I got, I had, I had two jobs and I was really overwhelmed and, um, I just couldn't respond to people immediately. I always had until that point. And then I just couldn't. And I realized, you know what? The world didn't end. <laughs> and yeah. So, since then I have actually been much slower to reply to people and it hasn't made any difference at all. So I think setting those limits for yourself to create some, you know, mental space that you need, you're more productive when you can focus without checking email every second of the day and Slack and texting. So, you know, I know a lot of productivity experts recommend, you know, not checking things constantly. Right. And I mean, I still check a lot, but you know, <laughs> yeah. more, more than the productivity experts would recommend. But, but I think for most people, you can probably do it a little less than you think. Right. And, and the, the world is not going to end because you didn't respond to the, the Slack right away. What are some of the, the biggest communication mistakes that you see at work and how can we avoid them? Mm, yeah. I mean, we, we talked about the writing mistakes. So I guess, you know, communication, people do communicate in different channels. So if I want to work with someone I try to reach them through their preferred channel. You know, some people, you're just going to communicate better if you call them. Right. You know, and I'm not a call. I don't like to call people. But there are certain people that if I need to get something done, I know I have to call them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I think that's probably the biggest mistake that people make is is not considering how the other person communicates best. Mm -hmm. So that sometimes you can adjust your communication style to get the most from the people you need to get things from. Right, right. And obviously you are the grammar girl. So when it comes to written communication mistakes in, in the workplace, I mean, what would be the frequently asked question that comes across your desk the most often? 
Yeah, probably the most common is just use spell check. So many people just don't <laughs> even use the simple tools that are available. Just, you know, run a spell check. <laughs> right. It will save you a lot of time. I mean, the other thing is, you know, keeping things simpler, keeping things shorter. And, you know, there are so many online tools now, like look things up if you aren't sure. If you aren't sure of which word to use, first of all, you can rewrite your sentence so you're not using the word you aren't sure about. But also it is so fast these days. All the dictionaries are online. You know, Grammar Girl is online. We've got topics about everything, you can find the answer to any question you have about writing within about 10 seconds. So if you prioritize that and and make an effort to look things up, you can improve your writing. You just you can do such a better job if you just spend a tiny bit of time looking things up. Yeah, one of the things I think is interesting about writing is that it's a skill that's needed no matter what job you're in. You know, like strong strong communication skills, of course, but like also strong written skills. Doesn't matter if you're on the tech team or on the operations team or the recruiting team. Like everyone needs to be able to communicate and write effectively, which is fascinating because there's very few skills I think that cross all those different departments all the time. Right. And and one of the most common errors that come up all the time are just commonly confused words, words that sound alike, like affect and effect. Yeah. You know, that is like one of the most common things. And most of the time when it starts with an E, it's a noun. And when it starts with an A, it's a verb. And my memory trick is to think of a big black raven because it's R-A-V-E-N. Raven is spelled that way. And A-V-E-N stands for affect, verb, effect, noun. So oh, I like that. That, that can maybe save you from looking it up every time. <laughs> yeah. Everyone, yeah th- those are some of the most common errors. I was going to say, everyone has that one uh, that they, they can never remember. And it's interesting because at Career Contessa, we have a style guide. And we've, you know, even, even creating the style guide so that we can make sure that, you know, okay, we always spell, you know, is it coworker with a hyphen or not a hyphen? You know, and like little things like that. So we've even created the style guide to try to help us be consistent. And even still in editorial meetings, we'll have to be like, is this is like it should do we normally do this? Do we not normally do that? I mean, sometimes I feel like with grammar, too, we're just making up a rule and then just trying to be consistent with it, too. Absolutely. And it's so smart that you created a style guide. You know, often I get questions. People will say, we've been fighting for this, about this for hours in my office. And I think that should never happen. You should have a style guide that writes down these things. Maybe you argue about it once, but then you put it in the style guide and it's always there and you never have to argue about it again. So when, when I hear about people wasting time at work arguing about these grammar and style choices, it just, it drives me crazy because I just want people to make a style guide and it'll yeah. save you so much time. <laughs> I know. So it's, sometimes it's like, just pick a lane and stick with it. <laughs> you know, like exactly. if nothing else, pick, do that. Okay, let's talk about passive aggressive, quote unquote, per my last email written communication. We actually get a lot of emails or and we also on our Instagram make a lot of jokes about this, but it's real. It's it's very real about the passive aggressiveness that can come through in all written communication. I guess I'm kind of thinking specifically to to email or Slack or an instant messenger of some sort. What are some of the best ways to avoid overused office jargon, bad email replies, and just get to the point? I mean, how can we, it's like, how, how could we avoided that whole passive aggressive comment happening in the first place? Yeah, it's really hard. You have to let go of your ego and not just think that you always have to be right or remind someone that they did something wrong. Um, you know, per my last email that, yeah, it is, it's really passive aggressive. And I think it's easy in writing to be more 
that way than you would be if you were talking to someone. So think about how you would say it. Would you really say that to someone's face? You know, well, I sent you an email a week ago and you haven't responded. (laughs) So here's my follow up. You know, I mean, I think uh, and and I'm guilty of it, too. It's hard. You're just sitting there at your computer and you get yourself all worked up and you start typing and that you should not do that. (laughs) Yeah. It's like I I also have realized, like, if that's my response, I'm like, why don't you give it until, you know, after lunch or until you're done driving home or something like that and then respond. And it's like, gosh, just the the hour difference, your whole tone changes. Not because you don't still feel that way, but you're like, what's the point on writing that? Like, what is the point on getting, you know, moody about it? So it doesn't help you usually get your answer any faster. Right. A question I always ask myself always is what good will come of this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, passive aggressive emails are dangerous territory with that. Well, okay. So last question, just what are any other communication written or verbal tips that you have for us when it comes to the workplace? Since like I said, communication is just like that skill that, you know, we always call it a soft skill, but really it's a human skill that you really, really have to figure out and continue to figure out. Yeah, I think the last tip, thinking about your notes, sometimes you do have to convey a lot of information in one document or one email. And if you have to do that, break it up. Break it up in as many ways as you can with numbers, subheadings, bulleted lists. Make it easy for people to to scan through it and get the main point, but have the details there if they need them. And don't bury your lead. Don't put the most important thing at the bottom of the email. Right. <laughs> start with Start with the most important and then... And give people sort of navigation tools to work their way through the information you're sending. Because sometimes you do have to send a lot of information at once. and But there are ways to structure it so it's easier for people to comprehend. Yeah, absolutely. And as you said, if you can break it up with all these other elements, it's almost like it keeps their attention so they'll actually get to the bottom of your email. I always laugh when people will end their email like, "Woo, so proud of you for getting through that novel. And you're like, so you knew it. You knew that you wrote me this very long, almost tedious email, but you didn't care, you know? <laughs> exactly. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your advice. Where can a listeners find you if they have follow-up questions and, and want to really become better communicators? Um, very easy to find. So if you search Grammar Girl, you'll find me. Um, my website is quickanddirtytips.com. I'm the founder of the Quick and Dirty Tips podcast network. So all of our podcasts are there, including the Grammar Girl podcast. And then I do answer questions on Twitter and Facebook, and I'm Grammar Girl at both those um, platforms. And then, yeah, the podcast, Grammar Girl's Quick and Dirty Tips for Better Writing. Every week, you're going to get a fun podcast about language. So I hope you'll come listen. Amazing. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Hey there, let's take a quick break to talk about today's sponsor, Elizabeth and Clark. Have you ever had one of those work days where you get up early, hit the gym, breeze by in traffic, and make it to work before everyone else is in the office, only to spill your first cup of coffee right down the front of your shirt? I know I have, and as a side note, can someone please invent a coffee lid that actually keeps all the coffee in the cup? Wouldn't that be nice? Anyway, this is why I was so excited to try Elizabeth and Clark's workwear collection. Unlike literally every other piece of work clothing I have, Elizabeth and Clark's collection is unstainable. You heard me right. It's unstainable. So next time you're rolling through your morning like the boss that you are, a little coffee spill is not going to stop you. Or that beautiful white shirt that just cannot be stained will make sure that you have that confidence throughout the day. Elizabeth and Clark's unstainable fabric technology works to protect you against salad dressing splashes, overfilled smoothies, 
and your chocolatiest croissants. Don't believe me? Here's some science for you. Elizabeth and Clark uses microscopic, unstainable fibers that are 10,000 times smaller than a grain of sand. Because of these teeny tiny fibers, oil, water, and alcohol stains roll right off without even leaving a stain. But that's not all, not even close. Besides fabric that cannot be stained, Elizabeth and Clark has designed their collection with us women in mind. Here's just a few of the details I love. Their pants have adjustable hems so you can skip the tailor and wear your pants with heels or flats depending on the day. Their button-down shirts have hidden snap buttons on the bus so you're safe inside your own shirt. The jackets even have small hidden pockets for lipsticks, credit cards, or even a little mid-meeting snack. It's totally genius and those are just some of the things I really love about Elizabeth and Clark. Finally, when I'm looking for great work clothes, I need something that can go from the office to, well, whatever comes next in that day. Each of Elizabeth and Clark's pieces is designed to take you from the boardroom to a baby shower to date night and whatever else you have in your day. Get started with 10% off your first unstainable order using the promo code FEMALES10 at checkout on unstainable.com. That's unstainable.com. Add some great items to your cart and put in FEMALES10 at checkout. All right, now let's get back to the show. All right, it's that time in the show when we hear real voicemails left by you, our listeners, and do our best to give you some real talk career advice. And once again, we're joined by Kayleen Cajas, our Director of Content at Career Contessa, to help out. Today's voicemail is all about how to decide if you should develop your current employee skills or hire someone new who already has the skills you need. Let's listen in. Hello, this is Carter. I am a director of marketing at a small startup in Atlanta, and I manage a girl who wants to be a writer, has a background in journalism, but she really does not have the proper skill sets to write the company's copy without heavy supervision. Um, So I'm wondering Career Contessa's point of view on um, how to approach the situation. Uh, We have an open headcount and can technically hire another headcount as a senior content strategist, but do I do that and potentially stunt this girl's growth? Or how, if not, how do I work with her to um, help develop those skill sets? Thanks. Bye. All right, Carter. That is a great question. Uh, Kayleen and I were super excited when we got this just because at first we were a little stumped. We were like, that is a tough one, especially it sounds like you're at a startup, so it's a small team and every everybody probably wears multiple hats. My ultimate first opinion and kind of where I feel like I'm falling on this is that once you decide to hire someone and you've brought that person on and you've onboarded them, I think the company, the best thing to do is the company has a responsibility of trying to develop that person with training and skills as best they can. I, I think it's, you know, not only the right thing to do, but also I feel like you've, you're already invested in this person. And I think it also shows to the other employees that when things shift and, you know, we've now got, especially at startups where things shift a lot, if things shift, you're not going to just drop them and hire someone else. Cause that really breeds a culture of intimidation and fear and people don't feel safe. And I don't know, Kayleen, I, I you know, I, I feel like, we, we're at a startup, so we could probably relate to this feeling, if, you know, having things shift so quickly for us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also think, especially, again, in a startup environment, you're probably going to be making hires 
with people who are willing to learn and actually excited to learn because at, at any startup, you're going to have to wear like a thousand hats. So I think if this employee's serious about learning, then give her the opportunity, you know, set up times where um, you can have one-on-one -on -one feedback with her. And, you know, maybe she, you said she has the background in journalism, so you're not having to teach her to write, so you're already halfway yeah. there. I think it's going to be more about, you know, putting the work together and, and sitting down with her and saying, well, this, this is what's great about this. Maybe this isn't what is. And taking that time, that dedicated time to actually do some dedicated learning and teaching. Right. I think that's probably the challenge here is that there's going to be extra time required for you, the manager, to help this person with their training, which is I, I get that that's challenging, but I do think the best managers are like coaches, you know, and they take a coaching um, kind of mentality to what they're doing. And I think it's – I actually think it's a good learning skill for her, for Carter as well, to be able to do this with this person. But um, as you said, they they already have a willingness to learn. So then can you help give them the training? And then also when you do have these expectations, make sure they also have the resources, right? So like if the expectation is like, well, I want you to write the copy for the website by this date. We're going to work together. There's going to be training. We're going to have check-ins. Make sure they have the tools to also do that successfully. I also think when you take time as a manager to do this dedicated work, they, they the employee will appreciate it. They won't be lost on them. It right. will actually be a great motivator. Yeah, absolutely. And also, whoever you do, if you, then you can use that headcount to hire someone who has a different set of skills. So now your team is going to be, you know, three people with you know different skills. So you can get even more done. But you can also make sure whoever you hire next is has some natural teaching abilities mm -hmm. or likes that because, again, at a startup, people are always having to learn new things um, and really all companies, I guess. But I feel like at startups, there's that extra pressure because there isn't a big team to do that. So I think looking for people who also have that teaching skill set is is valuable going forward. Yeah, agreed. Awesome. Well, Carter, I hope that helps. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of The Females. If you guys want to leave us a voicemail, you know where to call us. It's 844-FEMALES or that's 844-336-2457. We'll be back next Tuesday with Allison Garrido, a career coach, to discuss how to deal with difficult people at work. I'm sure a lot of you have a difficult person, so this is going to be a really good episode for you. But until then, you can follow us on our new podcast Instagram channel, at The Females Podcast. Share this episode with your work wives, tag us, leave us a review on iTunes, and listen to this sneak peek of next week's episode. They want the information, and then maybe the details. The people on the other end, they want all the details, before you get to the point. So just using that as a tool of how you want to talk to people can really help your message be heard and it can really break down some barriers of thinking, this person's just giving me a hard time or this person's not nice. Because that's not the case, right?